0: And welcome to the beautiful boxing podcast. Screw it, man. We're just gonna do a double header. It's Thursday. You guys need your little tune up for the weekend. And I know there's some people who are looking at me going, "I've I've caught up to all the episodes, so I've got to set that pace now and keep you guys keep you guys grafting." People have got walks to complete, push ups to complete. Sometimes it's your, you know, it's your your three miler. I don't know what it is, but you know, just probably not. I don't call it an odds and ends episode. I think this is more talking about where boxing's headed. And I'm just going to take my lead off Eddie Hearn because Eddie's really good at, I don't want to say conning the public because I don't think I don't, I don't think he cons the public. I genuinely just think he wants to sell you a narrative and he floods the media with so much of it that you can't even issue a counter-narrative. Like, he's he's mastered social media from a boxing perspective where... He just owns the agenda and we've allowed this to happen, but it gives you an interesting benchmark for where we are as a sport. So
1: best to just jump straight in, I guess. When we bring boxing back, I don't want to do it in a studio. I don't want to do it in an enclosed environment that just doesn't capture the intensity, you know, the moment, the energy and here it's going to look very different. And obviously, we're in a privileged position to be able to do it. It's a huge amount of work. There's still a lot of obstacles to overcome, but we're in a good place. We're targeting the middle of July. This week, we're starting to reach out to a number of fighters and their teams and their managers to see if they're going to be ready to go. But the phone ain't stopped ringing. I mean, messages coming through social media since we announced on a, announced, you know, a, a article went out in the mail
0: well man 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 so let's just talk about what's going to happen when boxing is back whenever that is however that is we still don't know first things first Eddie Hearns talking about that that house they used to live in was it Maskell's he talks about it like they're about to do a show at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> listen, it's a... It, listen. It's a beat-up-looking old building in the middle of Essex, not near anything. Not, it's not I don't even think it's of any historical significance. Oh, you can see Canary Wharf in the background. Nobody cares. And that's where he wants to stage his shows. That doesn't make any sense to me. That just strikes me as the ultimate demonstration of ego. Now, I don't know if you could make open spaces available. Like if you are really serious about trying to do it somewhere iconic, why wouldn't you just have a show in Hyde Park? Why not? Just have a show in Hyde Park. If you really wanna bring boxing back, you'd have it in Hyde Park. Now, I've talked to people in boxing about this ad nauseum, right? I'm sure this will come on later, but Hearn's talking about he wants to run four fight cards on consecutive weekends, culminating with Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. But there are a number of key obstacles that kind of stand in the way of, of that happening when Hearn says. So number one, were you to bring Povetkin in If I'm correct, the government guidelines are you'd have to self-isolate for two weeks after June 1st. So my understanding is Povetkin is in Russia currently, and my understanding is also that Dillian is in Portugal. Unless both guys are planning to arrive pretty much now, you're looking at having to self-isolate for two weeks. Now, I don't know what that means from a training perspective. I imagine self-isolate means you cannot train. So what's the point of going through a camp and then having to quarantine yourself for two weeks? So that doesn't make sense off the bat. Like, I think Eddie was right when he was talking about you have to make domestic fights. Okay. We pretty much know who's who. We know who's ready. We know what fights we'd like to see. What I'd like to see Eddie Hearn do is show us weekend number one, we're going to give you five fights. Weekend number two, we're going to give you another five fights. And I want everyone named in all four of those cards. Tell me who's fighting who. Like DAZN did at the end of last year, which was really good. They didn't obviously fill out the card, but they told you who was headlining. And so you were able to plan your time around that. My sense is this. A show like this is an undertaking, and it's no small feat. You know, it's, think about the logistics behind this. You have to find a venue. You have to create a facility that's pretty much sterile. It has to be sterile. It has to be COVID-19 free. And that means regular testing. That means pretty much locking down a hotel or one of those Devere resorts. I don't know if anyone's ever stayed at one of those. It's an experience. But something like that, that's sealed off from the world. And I think, so I think in a number of ways it's possible, it's desirable, but I'm asking myself, how much is that going to cost to hold that because you're going to need it for, Two weeks before the fight for sure. And you're gonna need it for the period of your fight camps. So that's six weeks, you're locking down a venue like that. What's that gonna be? Quarter of a million? Then you've got to set up your your facility at <laughs> at Matchroom HQ. I mean, so you're probably dropping one million pounds between you and Sky. You're dropping a million pounds before you've announced a fight then you've got to pay those purses
1: and that's not going to be easy. You know, I don't know what, it's going to cost over a million quid to put this together. We've got no crowds, um, you know, and, but what, what what else are you going to do? You know, we've built our business to a position where we can withstand this kind of swing. And that's one of the reasons we work so hard. We've got money in the bank, you know, and I think actually now, one thing I'm worried about about for fighters now is to make sure they get paid, and I actually think that the British Boxing Board of Control now—I I think money and purses should be lodged with the British Boxing Board of Control, because you know what, Coog, a lot of people will take a punt on a show in the hope that they'll sell some tickets, and you know we might be able to make everything work. Now, unless you have substantial reserves in the bank, you shouldn't even be allowed to do a show. So I think now we're at the point where hearn's talking sense
0: and i love this this is this is the eddie i quite like because he's talking sense while firing shots at a lot of his enemies a it helps when you've got that disowned money burning a hole in your bank account it means you can you can definitely operate so there's no issue with that but he is right though you don't want to see purses go down at a time like this because boxers have to make a living I think at the top end, you'd expect a bit of deflation simply because who's going to be buying the pay-per-views. But further down the card, you can't really sweat the assets any more than you are currently. You know, Everyone's trying to put that work in. Everyone's trying to, to hustle. And so this million you're spending creates a strategic problem because you don't want to just put any fight on a card. So all of this creates an interesting dilemma if you're Eddie Hearn. Do you treat these four shows as an investment? So you fill these shows with people you see money in. So here are the people I believe will make me money in the next two to three years. Or do you go, this whole period is a write-off. All I need to do is get out before my rivals. And so you fill the card with people you're not necessarily that bothered about. I don't know which direction he's going to go. If it's me, and I'm 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 probably going to lose money on these shows. I would want to have guys that I'm building around. These are the shows that you want to have someone like Conor Ben on. But then I'm like, and I learned this from the UFC. Do I want to watch Conor Ben against someone in a sterile atmosphere? It, I'm not used to it. That's more failing on my part than anything else. But I'm not used to it. Maybe other people are, but I I just it doesn't sit right with me. So then. I, t- I swing the other way and go, just get people on who can have a decent fight. So then you start looking and you go, okay, I'm going to pick a guy like a Ted Cheeseman who who has to rebuild. And I want to find someone else at 154 who looks like he's ready to go. So do I just whack Cheeseman and Fowler in there? No, that strikes me as a fight that you'd want to have in front of a crowd. Maybe a Liverpool crowd or an 0-2 crowd. Or what's more likely is you get someone like a Ted Cheeseman and you pair him off with Sam Eggington, right? Easy. Match from a familiar with Eggington. It's an easy story to sell. You know, call it a crossroads for both guys. Whoever wins this can move on. Or you pair Ted with someone like, I'm trying to think, if you want to be off-piste off, off with it, maybe a Troy Williamson, but he might be signed to Frank. I can't, <laughs> off the top of my head, I don't remember. But someone like that where you can rekindle Maybe some amateur rivalry, some some GB kind of rivalry. And that's what you try and do. And you work your way up a card doing stuff like that where you just get guys in that you're not invested in whoever wins or not, but you, they'll give you a hell of a fight because they have everything to fight for. And that's where you get guys like Dave Allen. You say, right, do I just whack in Dave Allen with... Uh, I can't even think at this point. Now nah, Fabio Ward is probably too much for him do you give Dave Allen a rematch with a Nick Webb do you give Dave Allen uh, who else is a heavyweight who would be interesting do you even give Dave Allen Huey Fury just give Huey someone to to step over as he moves forward and all, there are all of these options you can suddenly have but you're really looking at fights I think over the next four weeks if that fight club does happen where it's guys facing each other where Hearn doesn't care who wins It would be the same plan, whoever wins. And as fans, I think that'll be interesting for us because we probably won't care who wins. So we can genuinely watch and enjoy a fight and go, wow, I'm literally just watching this, hoping to be entertained. And if Hearn can pull that off, I think this will be a really good idea. And it will put pressure on people. But like I said, I'm not comfortable with the idea that we're trying to promote this as if they're having it in the grounds of Buckingham Palace and whoever wins gets a knighthood. It's utterly ridiculous. But one area where Eddie Hearn is correct is fighters should get paid what they've been agreed. If if someone says, look, mate, you're going to fight for 25 grand, at the end of that night, you should get your 25 grand. That's my belief when it comes to boxing. And one thing we all have to give Hearn credit for is he's made it cool to pay people on time. And who would have thought you would ever say that about a professional sport? It's cool to pay people on time, not... We need to wait for the, the gate receipts to come in. None of that. No, 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 mate. There's your money. And he's right. It's about time we started running boxing on a sound footing where even if you've got to borrow the money, it's not an issue. But wh- where, where's your war chest to make these fights happen? Stop having guys risk their lives in the hope that somehow the fight breaks even. Making a fight break even is a promoter's job. Hearn's job is to make sure fights break even. And like I've I've said on numerous occasions, every matchroom boxer gets paid. As soon as the fight's done, pretty much, there you go. There's your money. Well done. That is how boxing should be. And I wish Hearn would make a bigger issue of this than just trying to stick it to other promoters. I I genuinely wish he went to the board and said, you know what, if the board aren't going to mandate this, we'll go to another governing body. Because we have to start mandating that fighters get paid. A lot of guys don't get paid. You know, A lot of guys on cards are fighting for free. They're paying to fight. We shouldn't have that in boxing. No one should be paying to fight. That doesn't make any sense. And I know the, the counter-argument is they have to invest in themselves. They're their own business. But it's like, well, why would you run at a deficit? Why would anyone allow you to run at a deficit? It doesn't make any sense to me. And I think Hearn is bang on in that, that, yeah, you know. Why don't the board check with promoters every year and go, look, show us your accounts. Let's make sure you're solvent. Let's make sure you're in a position to put on fights and not bring the sport into disrepute by basically shafting boxes. And there are many promoters that do it. A lot of skullduggery happens. Sometimes if you sell a lot of tickets, they'll turn your six-rounder to an eight-rounder. They'll change your opponent to a better opponent and they'll pocket the profit that comes from selling more tickets. So, you no, know, no, Hearn is spot on on that one. And credit where credit's due. You know, one of the things I'd like to see different when boxing comes back is shows are run on a profitable basis. You know, and if you are going to take a loss, at least have the reserves in the bank to absorb it and understand that you're investing in your future talent. Mm. And... Th- so the the more i listen to her and the more i realize he's talking at the moment and he's talking a plan into existence and what he's trying to do is he's trying to test the boundaries and he's trying to understand what he can do and what he can't do in a situation that seems to be changing on a weekly basis you know we've touched on the fighters getting paid we don't know what the purses will be for this obviously it'll be a loss making show Hearn's aspiration is that fighters should get the same purses, but for harder fights. Fine, as fans, we're okay with that. What they get paid isn't our business. The important thing as fans is that these guys get paid because they entertain us. Bringing boxing back isn't like bringing football back. I think football carries less risk. Number one, you've got about, I don't know, what's the... What's the square footage? Maybe about 8,000 square feet. No, it's probably more than that. Maybe 8,000 square yards. I think that's what it is. Of space to play around in. A football pitch is pretty large. You know, you can can generally socially distance. Goalkeepers will be pretty good at that. I think sports that are contact sports will be generally harder to do because you're going to have to regularly test. In camp, when you start coming into the sterile facility or secure facility however you want to call it so i don't know how many tests that is i don't know who bears the cost for that i don't know who bears the liability if it goes tits up so it means that if you want to make a five show card you're going to have to have five five guaranteed fights and then a couple of optionals you almost need spares so you need to be saying to guys listen everyone's got to stay in shape in case you're a spare and you get called upon what would have been good i think and I'm just going to put it out there. It would have been good if Hearn had said, do you know what? We're going to do five professional fights and we're going to do five amateur bouts. I think that would have been really, really good because if you look at these these guys who thought they were going to get their chance at Tokyo 2020, this was going to be their year. Some guys might go pro, some might not go pro. So um, who's the kid who turned over with Frank? Carol Italma? shouts out to him. He's already turned over. Because he's he's not waiting for twenty twenty one and he's not really looking to wait till twenty twenty four. But there are guys out there in the amateurs right now, or even guys who who are like who've declared that they're gonna go pro, get them on a card, get them some exposure, because that's the way you get to sign them. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Hearn play with that formula, although he doesn't seem willing to do so, which is fair enough. But what we will see is domestic fights. No one's coming from abroad. I just don't think We've got that climate at the moment to be bringing fighters in from abroad just to satisfy the ego of Eddie Hearn. It doesn't work, and I think the board have to be really strong on that because, like, what you're essentially going to have at Matchroom HQ is a dinner show. That's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like a dinner show, not great atmosphere. You'll be able to hear more than you want to. You'll probably be able to hear planes taking off and landing and that sort of thing. It... I, I don't know. I'm not... I'll watch it, but I'm not excited about watching it because I just think boxing is a sport of human interaction. I think the crowd make a massive difference to how fighters perform, and I think we'll see that when when the shows come back. One thing I do want to say, and I think we can all agree on this, Eddie Hearn is wrong. Boxing is nowhere near the number two sport in the country. The only boxer in this country capable of moving that needle culturally from a sporting perspective is Joshua. And even that power's on the wane now. Because let's be honest, if Hearn was able to build a sport into the number two sport in the world, he'd have taken the job with Rugby League. When they offered him the gig, he'd have taken the job with Rugby League, but he realised you can bullshit your way through boxing, you can't bullshit your way through Rugby League, because essentially with Rugby League, there's truth in that sport because everyone plays everyone else. And we can measure attendances and you can't jimmy up those numbers because IFL don't know anything about rugby league. So you'd have to have this whole infrastructure built around you in a rugby league context. And culturally, it's not the sort of sport that entertains that. So Hearn's saying that boxing is the number two sport. Not if guys like Dave Calder are getting 200 views for an Instagram Live. Not when guys like and Cassis are getting 220 views for an Instagram Live. And definitely not when Eddie Hearn's getting between 2,000 and 2,200 views for an Instagram Live. We're not the second sport in the world. They're netballers getting those sorts of numbers. So we're behind netball for God's sake.
1: Fights, they said, no international fighters. And that may be the case in the early part of fight camp. But as we progress, you know, I want to stage Terry Harper against Natasha Jones. I want to put a world title fight on here. You know, that's we're going to look back one day and say, Wow, do you remember when we did a world championship fight here? Do you remember when we did White Pavecki here? So I want to make history. I want to, I want to create memories. And the best way to do that is in an arena with amazing fans. But we haven't got it. So get over it. Play the hand you dealt. Deal with this now. And that is the plan, a four-week period of four shows. And then once we get to August, middle of August, end of August, that's the next phase. So from September. Oh, man. I love Hearn, Hearn will
0: give you common sense and then he'll just drift straight back into being an idiot. It's, it's like he's bipolar in some ways. Now, let's remember what he says at this point and then let's measure the from fight card against what he promised. We're hearing world title fights. But you know what that really means? It'll be a woman's world title fight that no one cares about. There'll be no meaningful world title fights because they... Like you said, there's no finances for it. The fans aren't going to pay for it and you're not going to be able to swing it on a pay-per-view. So what do you do? It's ego at the moment. I like how Frank Frank Warren's just basically, if you look at what Frank's done in the lockdown, he's signed a few strategic guys like Carol Atalma, who I think could be special. It depends on who he trains with. It depends on who he's advised by. I think he's at that crucial stage now where you want to be in an elite environment. you know. I t- and I'm always torn between this because I do think you should stay with your amateur coach because I think they know you psychologically and so forth. But the kid's young enough now that if he did just go, right, I want to go and train with Shane McGuigan. I think that makes perfect sense. I think he's the sort of guy that Shane needs. Now, is Shane good for his style? I don't know. But I do know that I'd want to be in that environment with guys like Chris Billum-Smith, guys like Lawrence O'Coley, who also come from that, that solid amateur background, you know, top-level amateurs who are now making their way in the pro ranks. So I think that would be pretty good for him. So Frank's been smart in hoovering up these strategic signings that people won't know, but if you're in the sport, you know that he's signing really special talent. And so he's kept his powder dry in a wider sense. We don't know about you know, Joyce and Dubois. We don't know when that's going to happen. If it does happen on the 11th of July, then wow, you know, that would be coming out of lockdown with a bang. <laughs> Maybe Frank would have it in his back garden. From what I hear, I think he bought a converted church or something like that. So he's he's got a big old place for, for himself. Like I think he's got tennis courts there as well. So he could definitely hold it on his property. If he can't, then he knows people who can. But all of this just feels like, we're going to get second-rate product because what we love is the crowd. We we watch boxing and we like to wish we were there. That's a big part of it. And if we don't get that because there's no crowd, we're just going to kind of watch it just so we can piss on it from a Twitter perspective. I think that's what's going to happen. Actually, what I want to do is I want to divert away from that because I think the reality about boxing returning is we're not going to get the product we're used to for a while yet. So I wouldn't even be surprised if Fury Wilder is postponed till 2021 and in the interim both guys get filler fights. Just fights that will be entertaining, exciting and as fans will understand that we can't have the big fights until we can get an audience because even fight if even fight number 3 will do good numbers. So it's going to be an event and you know we want to see the build up around that. But some people in boxing just can't help shooting themselves
1: in the foot, can they? Where we say, oh, when we beat Tyson Fury, we have to fight Deontay Wilder and he has to get 40%. Deontay Wilder's out. He's done. He's just a voluntary challenger. So we want a clean slate where we can go into a deal and a one fight deal with Tyson or a two fight deal. But when AJ beats Tyson Fury, we don't, have to, we don't want an obligation to fight Deontay Wilder. What's he got to do with it? He's done. He's beaten. He's just been knocked out. So if he beats Tyson Fury, we want to fight Deontay Wilder. But if he doesn't, he's just back in the rankings. He's not coming into a fight with the undisputed champion. So in that respect, it's a lot easier for us just to have a clean slate and everybody's on the same page with that as well. The realistic chance...
0: Hearn can't help shooting himself in the foot. And I get tired of this. No, in fact, I don't get tired of this. When Joshua got knocked out, like what happened to Wilder was pretty brutal, but it happened against a guy where you were like, I imagine when we start doing the top 10 boxers of all time in the heavyweight division, Fury will be in that mix. He's a few fights away, but he'll be in that mix. He'll be in that discussion quite rightly too. Andy Ruiz will be nowhere near that discussion. I do not care what the Reynosos do to him. Andy Ruiz will be nowhere near that discussion. And he marmalized Anthony Joshua. And he was probably 16 burritos, a bottle of Cristal, and some tacos away from doing it again in the second fight. Let's be brutally honest about that. Joshua ran for his life. So when you hear Hearn briefing against Wilder like that, when you hear Hearn disrespecting Wilder like that, What Hearn is doing is creating clear water between Joshua and Wilder so Joshua doesn't have to take that fight because we know if Wilder's got the reach advantage over you, you're taking a couple of those right hands. And Wilder will be scared enough of Joshua's strength and power that he will train for that. They do not want to see Joshua marmalized. That's the word I want to use marmalized literally turned into mango chutney pickle they do not want to see that because that would be the end of that joshua would never be the same man after that i think with fury you can kind of contextualize it and go ah fury's just special man he's a different breed and you can go back back to your business when wild as clumsy as you've made him out to be as one-dimensional as you've made him out to be as weak as you've made him out to be if he were to starch Anthony Joshua, which is not an impossibility, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, it's not an impossibility that the Joshua Project's dead in the water because that would have been two guys that iced him that weren't supposed to, according to Eddie Hearn. And and Hearn has done this continuously. The reality is Joshua's career is incomplete until he fights Wilder. That's, I, I just do not care until he fights Wilder or until Wilder loses to someone of a Ruiz level, like if, if Wilder lost to Joseph Parker, for example, then, then I, I'd kill all talk of that fight. But right now, Wilder's the number two heavyweight because he's only lost to the number one. Whereas Joshua lost to the number six or seven. I think Dominic Brazil could beat Andy Ruiz, if I'm being honest with you. So who's Hern? In fact, who's Joshua to say anything? wilder has every right to to say he wants to fight the guy like if you're going to step aside to let a fight happen for big money all you're saying is cut me a bit of that money and then i want to fight the winner otherwise there's no point in me doing this and what that will mean is if i'm and if i'm wilder this is what i'm going to do i'm going to position that fight so it disrupts joshua's schedule so now joshua's got to fight pulev and before he can fight fury he's got to fight Usyk. Does he win both of those? He definitely wins one of them. Don't know which one. And I think 20, 2020, 2021 is when you're gonna to start to see Joshua's body betray him. It normally happens at this point in the cycle. Your body will start to betray you. When you get into your 30s, those little niggles become bigger, you know, your tendons start to tell you, listen, I can't I can't hold all this muscle. We're not used to this kind of mass. All these things will start to catch up with you. So it's in Joshua's interest to get the Fury fight done quickly and the Wilder fight done quickly. And if he can win both of those, let him clean up and leave. Because the longer he leaves it, the more likely he has to face guys like Yoka, guys like Dubois, Hergovic, um, Ditchko, who's on his way up, as well. All of these guys that are coming up and they're hungry, and I don't think Joshua's been hungry for a long time. So let's see if Joshua's got the killer mindset. <laughs> but no. So in terms, so so when we break it down and we go, will Joshua fight Fury next? No, no chance in hell. Pulev isn't stepping aside. Wilder's not stepping aside. So who does Joshua fight next? Pulev. Who does he fight after that? Usyk. But then we get to 2021 and we're like, well, when's the last time he defended the WBA? So all of a sudden, this, this whole talk has just been heard just making sure that Josh was in the discussion about everything heavyweight related. You know? If your if you're next up guy is Dillian, why are you not talking up Dillian fighting Deontay? Why are you not talking up Dillian may be fighting AJ if you can't make the the Fury fight, but you need a big fight for Joshua this year. I want to repeat this. The job of Eddie Hearn, the job of Team Joshua, is to avoid all threats and try and nick that fourth belt. That's what they've always tried to do. And that's why they swerved Wilder for so long. This, This is what I believe is true. They swerved Wilder and they said, look, We're going to delay fighting Wilder for long enough that he loses that belt. And when they saw Fury, they thought, ah, if only Fury had waited a year. But Fury got the draw. Then Fury did what he did. And that kind of upset the calculus because then it's like, we're never going to beat Fury, but at least we're not going to get starched. He might play with us a bit, but Joshua will live to fight another day after Fury. And they know no one is the same after that Wilder punch. The only guy that seems to have ridden it out was Tyson Fury. And fair play to him for doing that. But there aren't many Tyson Furies about. So I think as heavyweights, we're not going to see what we want. Number one. Number two, what happens to Dillian? Because Dillian had always talked about he wanted to fight Wilder. And now you've got to talk about you want to fight Fury. But you've had many opportunities to fight Fury and you didn't want to. So is it about the money? Is it about the belt? I don't mind which one it is, but everyone needs to start being honest about what the agenda is because there are four guys that should be fighting each other regularly and they're not doing so. And I don't blame Hearn. I don't blame Aram. I don't blame Heyman. I blame them all collectively. The only guy that's putting his heavyweights in any kind of danger right now seems to be Frank Warren and fair play to him. And one of those guys will come looking for Joshua. And then you'll start to see Eddie Hearn brief against the winner of that fight and go, I think Joshua beats him. And they'll try and take value off these guys because that's how Hearn works. You know, he always talks about people are haters. Hearn's the worst Wilder hater ever. And Coogan never pulls him up on that. I've never heard Coogan say, well, Eddie, I do interviews with you all the time where you talk about you should be applauding people's hustle. But whenever you talk about Wilder, you always want to shit on him. But I'm tired of it. You know? Hopefully Wilder rebuilds, does his thing, and I want to see him fight Joshua. And I'd like to see him knock Joshua out. And let, let's just draw a line under that beef and go, well, we know who the better man is. But look, I'm gonna sign up, cause it's about one in the morning where I am, and I've just done two back to back. For no other reason, I just didn't want to do an hour long episode. So apologies for, for playing with the numbers on that one. But listen guys, you take care, and I'll speak to you all soon.